There's no crystal ball for 2024, but there are opportunities to make informed decisions to protect the price you are paid for your milk and minimize the financial risks of your dairy farming business. So how is a dairyman with a business and finance background doing it on his dairy? That's what we're going to find out on this episode of the Uplevel Dairy Podcast. This is the podcast for dairy farm owners, managers, and advisors who are committed to profitability, sustainability, and excellence. I'm your host, Peggy Coffeen, and it's my mission to bring you the conversations that will uplevel your skill set and your mindset so you can be a top performer in the dairy business. Texas dairyman Nathan Maroney talked about using technology to make managing 8,000 cows at Del Rio Dairy easier and more efficient on episode 58. And today you are going to hear more from Nathan. His backstory may surprise you. Find out how this city boy from Phoenix found his way to the Texas Panhandle, where he dove in headfirst to learn the ropes of dairy management, and how he puts to work his business and finance background and eye for operational efficiencies every single day to manage the operation that has grown to now include 13,000 head of cattle and more than 70 employees. So how is this business manager and dairy manager planning to protect his price point and minimize risk in 2024? Let's find out. This is the High Performance Mindset Series powered by NEDAP. NEDAP is future-proofing dairy farms by revolutionizing cow-side care through technologies and activity monitoring, cow locating, milk metering, and identification. Tell me a little bit about you, about yourself, and about the dairy. My name is Nathan Maroney. I'm the general manager with Del Rio Dairy. I don't really have a dairy background. I'm the city boy that fell in love with the farmer's daughter. So my wife and I uh, met in high school, decided we're going to get married right out of college. And I was always around the dairy industry because that's what they did. And and it was always, you know, I'm I'm dating a a nice young farm girl. So I've got to go out and visit with her. She's not going to come out with me all the time. Anyway, fast forward a little bit. I was working out of college. I did a little bit of work on dairy construction for my father-in-law right out of college. And then, but my background was really finance and economics. And so, you know, that's certainly more business related. Didn't know exactly what I was going to do. Wasn't really excited about where that typically leads, which is selling insurance and uh, financial uh, products. And so I did a little bit of that dairy construction the commute wasn't exactly ideal for us. We were living more in downtown Phoenix area. And so I was commuting almost over an hour to the job sites uh, as, as Urban Sprawl was pushing uh, a lot of the dairies further away from the uh, Phoenix hub area. And so 2008 comes around. I ended up working for my dad's uh, roofing company and I had a number of positions there, but nothing was really panning out. 2008 was really bad economically speaking. And so things weren't looking so good in that regard because construction had just come to a huge halt. My father-in-law had mentioned to me, hey, do you want to give give dairy a look? And the dairy had already been in Triona, Texas for a couple of years at that point. And so we paid a visit. We kind of looked around, thought, looked at, even looked at what houses were available, but came back from there. And I was like, ah, man, it just, I don't think I can make Triona, Texas to go for us. But then I don't know what changed. I was taking some real estate classes and everything else. And Two months later, we're packing up the house, selling the house, and moving to Friona, Texas. So it was just kind of a let's do it thing. And I wasn't supposed to end up in the position I ended up in right away, except that the existing manager served his two weeks notice a week before we showed up. So I had four days to work, figure out what everything that this guy did on a day-to-day basis. 
and then step in. And it really was a really good opportunity for my father-in-law to get get back into the operation, show me exactly how he wanted me to handle things. He, he really started me off easy. I didn't have an overloaded plate. He, he knew that I couldn't handle all that right off the bat. And so he, he nurtured me along the way. And as I started to, to be able to take on more and more challenges, now I'm at the point to where I you know, manage the entire operation of a um, dairy that's grown along the way since I've, since I've been there. So to tell you a little bit about the dairy, Del Rio Dairy has been in Texas since 2006. We started with a 90 stall parallel. Before that, the dairy was located in what's now Avondale, Arizona. It was a much smaller profile at that time. I think we maxed out back in Arizona somewhere around 1,300 cows. Uh, when we started in Texas in 2006, we were shy of 3,000 at that time. Uh, room to grow a little more than from there, but uh, some other pieces need to be put into place. The next step was building a hospital barn. That all occurred before I really stepped in. Then, then as we started to use a little more of the technology in terms of sex semen and a few other things, we started to see growth spurts here and there, nothing substantial, but enough to fill up the barn we were in and consider making that hospital barn a milking parlor as well. So we went through that whole transition in 2013, 2014. And then here in 2020, we added on a double or not a uh, 90 stall rotary rather and uh, started milking there as well. So all in all, we've got three facilities. We're milking right now, 7,700 head. Uh, we milk three times a day. So that's essentially my position is to manage the operations of all of those different barns. I've got barn managers at each of those locations. So I just make sure that they're kind of meeting their numbers and everything like that. And then I um, directly manage the feed center and then a, a few other areas as well. We've got about 13,000 and change as far as between young stock, uh, dry cows and milking cows that we have on, on property. All of my calves from the time they're a day old till about six months old are raised on a calf ranch. But everything other than that comes back to our, uh, our facility and we manage basically rearing the heifers from there, getting them pregnant and starting their lactation and then manage them from there. So how many people do you end up overseeing within the operation? We're right around, we're right around 70 to 75 as far as the dairy itself. And then the farm adds another um, three or four employees as well. We have about 4,000 acres that we've got managing under, under Pivot as well. So as you look ahead, what are your three big priorities that you're focusing on to be a profitable and sustainable dairy business in 2024? I think we're at a moment right now where you're starting to see seasonality. You're starting to see kind of coming off the peak in terms of where you see cheese and butter buyers in terms of the uh, processing side of things and see those usually typically reach seasonal highs. The only other areas where they might get pushed up is going to come, come into an unforeseeable change in exports or buyer, new buyers coming to the market. And obviously, China is a big subject in, when, when I mention that. For me, a big strategy has been to go into 2024 with the heavy hedge uh, mind frame in terms of uh, in terms of milk and what what feed I may have already procured I think that uh, we we just got we're in a situation where we are looking at left and left people producing milk you're seeing quite a few farmers throughout the country that didn't have such a good time over the last year or two and uh, a lot of farmers going out 
you're seeing challenges in terms of being able to replace the herd. And while you may say, oh yeah, that's gonna drive milk prices up, and it should, it really should, there's enough economic risks as well that I see that need to be managed from. And I see um, you've got a tough economy situation. You've got the war savers are rattling out, out in the world. You've got global trade is reaching a low point. You're seeing it on, in a lot of areas. And I think it's important to, while, there, while there's promise to the fact that there may be a reduction in, in number of cows producing and what we are producing. There's also some challenges in terms of how many people are actually at the table buying and uh, and what we're gonna, who has the who has the leftover income once we're all dealing with inflation and in interest rates and things like that. So there's enough, there's enough risk that I see that needs to be protected against. And so for me, 2024, I've already made plans in place to basically go at it uh, pretty well protected from, from being, rather than being pretty open. I, I just don't think it's all sunny skies ahead. And I think it's important to really be, uh, be well protected in that regard. As I listen to you talk about the way that you're looking at 2024 and the challenges that are the impacts of supply and demand, the domestic market, the global market and global impacts as well. You know, one thing I'm kind of curious for, for you, what do you look at? What do you read? What do you listen to regularly? to stay informed on this part of the business? I like to pull together a lot of different information. I really like a lot of the information I get from Everag. I get uh, quite a bit from them. I think they've got a good group of analysts and guys that, that are in communication with the right people as far as movers and shakers, especially in terms of the domestic market and uh, what's at play, what's going on and, and pretty current and up to date. When it comes to more of a global uh, outlook, I, uh, I might lean a little more heavily on like a rabble bank report. I typically look out for those and like to put a lot of time to make sure I, uh, I spend some time reading, reading those reports and things like that. And then I, I really just give an ear to different conversations, whether it be somebody that just, whether I'm at a meeting or something and someone's talking about what the, the overall mind frame of cheese buyers, what uh, butter and powder guys are doing, uh, what's going on in exports. There's been a, a lot of benefit that I've seen just hearing export report, export council reports and things like that. And then you you also just got to pay attention to it on the feed side of things as well and, and uh, kind of get the pulse of what uh, the global economy is doing as well. So those are those are kind of areas I, I you know, they're they're hitting my inbox pretty good and I'm making sure I try to keep up pretty, pretty good with what those uh, that information is being shared. The High Performance Mindset Series is powered by NEDAP. NEDAP is future-proofing dairy farms by revolutionizing cow-side care through technologies and activity monitoring, cow-locating, milk metering, and identification. And to hear more from Nathan Maroney, head back to episode 57 to hear how he is using technology to manage 8,000 cows more easily and more efficient at Del Rio Dairy in Texas. What do you want to hear in the Uplevel Dairy Podcast? Well, shoot me an email at peggy at uplevelldairy.com. I'd love to hear from you what you want to hear on Uplevel Dairy Podcast in 2024. And if you want to receive new episodes right in your inbox, head over to uplevelldairy.com and subscribe to the Uplevel Dairy community. We thank you for joining us for the Uplevel Dairy Podcast.